and welcome back to the Book and Life podcast. It's your host, Crystal Fleming, and I'm excited today because I have had an amazing chat with a woman, and I get to share that with you today. And trust me, I have not met anyone in ages who just blew my mind and was just so genuine and so down to earth. I, I just, yeah, I just, I can't wait to share this with you. So uh, before we get started and I introduce you to this amazing woman, I will want to take a moment to read our usual adverts. So it's uh, The Shadow, book four of the Time Guardian series by Marianne Curley. The battle is over, the war is won, the prophecy complete, but life can't pick, just pick up where it left off for Ethan. Struggling to cope with tragic loss at odds with friends in the guard, he finds himself adrift, jumping at shadows and sending someone who can't possibly be there. Blaming herself for Athena's death, Giselle swears revenge and fall by the immortal's plan for world domination. But Giselle hadn't planned on love, and that leaves her with an unbearable choice should she follow her heart or the strings of a goddess short on praise but high on expectations. Who continues to pull her from the grave? As the guard and the order battle through the past and into an impossible future, darkness lurks around every corner. The fight for the world's survival rests with just one. Is it friend or foe who stands in the shadows? Also, just a reminder that The Price of Freedom by Rosemary Rowan, uh, which is one of her Roman British crime series novels, is having a large portion of its uh, royalties donated to the Ukraine crisis, as well as her agent's commission was also donated there as well. You're not going to want to miss this interview. I am so excited to, well, it's not an interview, it's a chat, but I'm so excited to share this chat with you, and I can't wait to see what you all think. So, keep supporting the Book and Life podcast, and now, I guess, let's hear from Kathleen Fox. And now, guys, I get to welcome in a guest I have been excited about having on because she's probably one of the few women in the world that understands the absolute traumatic pain of trying to do a podcast and what it takes and the fact that you feel like your hair is going to fall out most days. So everyone, let's welcome on the talented, the amazing, and I am sending virtual hugs right now to Kathleen Fox. Hello, how are you? <laughs> it's great to have you on. As oh, I said, you know, fellow fellow podcaster is always good. Um, so yeah, let's let's start off with hearing a little bit about your podcast because you know all about mine. So let's hear a, a little bit about yours and uh, maybe you could tell us what inspired you to start it. Yeah. Um... Well, actually, when I started it, I wasn't actually intending on starting a podcast. Um, so I do, I have a blog and with writing advice and things like that. And um, I was doing kind of a three-part series on querying, pitching, and writing synopses. So I have it, I, I use, um, oh my goodness. Now I can't remember the name of it. Well, anyways, so when I was doing the blog posts, I saw a little thing on the side of my uh, website provider, and it said something about turning it into an audio post. And I thought, oh, hey, that might be that might make it more accessible for for everybody. Yeah. So I thought, okay, I'm gonna just 
record what I've written. And voila, there we go. So then I did those three episodes. I, I, well, I did those three recordings. And then when I was uploading them, it was telling me about turning it, like making it a podcast. And I thought, like, like for real, a podcast? <laughs> and it was asking me to, you know, give the name and all of that stuff. And I thought, well, why not? Um, I edit episodes of a very popular writing podcast called The Shit No One Tells You About Writing. Um, so I <laughs> yeah. kind of have that experience with that end of it. But it very quickly became not just, you know, reading my posts so that other people could listen instead of read. But, you know, once once it was out there, I had people coming on or contacting me because they wanted to be guests on the podcast. So I thought, okay, well, I'll do it so that it is basically not every episode because sometimes I only have time for the interview, but most episodes will have a little bit of writing advice and I'll, I'll talk about a particular topic and then I will interview an author or an industry professional. So I've had some agents, um, a, an acquisitions editor and a CEO of a, an indie publisher here in Canada. Um, Yeah, so it's been a lot of fun. It's been great getting to know these these other writers. So I don't just focus on, you know, traditionally published authors. I focus on every writer, whether they're just starting, they they want to, you know, talk about their writing and their publishing journey or their writing journey, um, querying things like that. And then I also do traditionally published authors or indie published authors or self published. So. I'm just, you know, I, I want to kind of try and aim to bring everyone to the table and, and give them a voice or a place at the table. Um, and then also kind of help to demystify the, the publishing world and publishing process yep. by having the professionals come on and, and talk about that end of things as well. So that's how it all got started. And here I am. It's almost, it's been almost a year, not quite a year, but I'm coming up on a year and it's, it's yeah it's time consuming (laughs) it's a lot more time consuming than I thought but I I do really enjoy it Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) yeah because I mean it's crazy I can't remember who it was but an author said you've got to check out Kathleen Fox and I said oh who's that and she sort of sent me the link and and I was like oh okay I think it was Canadian author I was actually talking to Um, because I've had quite a few Canadian authors on and in fact, my co-author was a Canadian, famous okay. Canadian, uh, Joey Legend. Mm-hmm. And I just, I was like, oh, you know, this, I'd heard a couple of years and I thought this sounds really good and I, I gotta get her on because I'm sort of a way trying to de- demythify writers and authors because mm-hmm. readers, they look up to us kind of almost like public figures. Mm-hmm. And they don't realize that we kind of live a life very much like theirs. Right. You know, we go to the supermarket and, you know, we clean and we have kids and, you know, we don't have four or five servants running around after us and we don't have, you know, lots of time to sit at a computer and write. We have a very tightly scheduled day where we're like, okay, we've got time to do this and time to do that and mm-hmm. then I have to run do this and I have to run do... You know, like, that. that is our lives. Um, so, yeah, I was just like, oh, gotta have her on because you know, we've not had a podcaster on before. Okay. And I was like, this is 
you know, a chance for the Book and Live readers and listeners to kind of come on and hear what it's like from your perspective and my perspective of being behind the microphone and trying to to make this world a bit more inclusive for everybody because mm-hmm. it sounds like you you take everybody on you know and no matter what work of life they come from and yeah. that gives us a much more rounded sort of opinion on the writing world would you agree with that yeah absolutely so you know if you just take for example traditionally published versus indie published versus self-published they all have very different um experiences with publishing um and so i kind of i like to get those out there because listeners you know there might be some that are interested in in being agented and and publishing with a big four or big five um, there might be some self-published authors or, or someone who's aiming to be self-published. So I really like the fact that I can have guests on who are sharing their experiences and giving some tips and, and advice so that they can, so that the readers that are interested in whatever they are doing can pick up those, uh, those tips and apply it to their own writing journeys. Yeah, I like that. And I know that I've had listeners who've said, you know, Crystal, try and get an agent on because you know, I want to become a literacy agent, or I want to become an editor, and I'm Mm -hmm. like, I've reached out to lots of them, but they're, they're very nervous about coming on podcasts and stuff, (laughs) so I've not had any luck with any of them yet, but Mm -hmm. um, I've had a lot of authors that come forward and say, yeah, you know, this is my experience about getting an agent, or this is my experience of, of publishing, because what I was explaining to a lot of my readers is, if you're self publishing you're in charge of everything, you know, your cover, you you know, your formatting, your editing, your proofreading, like all of that falls on you, including Mm -hmm. your marketing. And you've got to find things like street teams and people to help you because you can't do it on your own because it's just so much. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And, um, you know, even as an indie published author, and I've been an indie published author on and off for 14 years you still have to do 90% of your marking. Mm-hmm. So you need to be able to find street teams that are excited about your work, that want to go tell everybody about your work. You need to find people that might do lots of you know promotion for you on Instagram who might share it with their friends and get their friends to do reels on it. And like You need to be able to find the right people that can really get your name out there. Mm-hmm. And yeah, some of the pressure's off because, you know, you're not having to worry about the cover as much or the mark, you know, the editing as much. And you can just focus on the marketing. But then also part of you has to schedule in the writing of, say, the next book. Right. Because that's kind of how I find a lot of how the readers get behind authors. It's about, well, what have you done for me lately kind of mm-hmm. attitude. And I think that edge comes from the fact that we've got all these streaming pro you know platforms putting out stuff constantly we've got you know television running stuff constantly so we are kind of fighting instant gratification so you need to have four or five books sort of ready to go so that once one's out and it's been doing well that you've got another one that'll be coming out and that Mm -hmm. one will be doing well so there's almost an expectation of you to put out multiple books a year Mm mm-hmm I don't know if, if, if you've heard that kind of same idea from, from indie authors. 
Um, I know that like several of them have at least one out per year, or or they're at least trying to to put out one every year. Um, there are a couple of authors that I've spoken with who, um, one in particular, uh, Amy Tector. So she's a Canadian author, yep. and she put out one this spring. She's got one coming out in October. So um, I think that's true for, for many of them. I think there's a little bit more flexibility there um, in terms of, like, yes, the publisher is going to want that, the readers are going yep. to want that, but you have a little bit more flexibility um, and I can't say from experience for, for this, but I think with traditional publishers, you're more, mm, I, I think that there's more of a schedule there and you're expected yeah. by the publisher. Okay. This is the timeline and this is what you need yeah. to work with. Yeah. I mean, from like, cause we spoke about it with, um, Adam W. Craven, who's an exceptional crime writer. And he said, that, you know, I know that I have a duty to put out a set amount per year and he says I take December off he said Mm -hmm. that's the only month I take off and I write every other month and I do marketing all the time he said and I love how his his publisher kind of like I think bribes him a little bit with media because they send him like a creative beer oh nice (laughs) (laughs) to get him to like participate almost in marketing yeah but with I think traditional publishing you you kind of give them the book and then you don't really hear anything until it's coming out and mm-hmm. then you hear okay this is the list of mar you know as he put it this is a list of what you've got to do um you know this this is your next deadline for your next novel mm-hmm. and then he's also got to talk to his agent and say right because the agent will be like well when that series is finished what are you going to do next what's yeah. the plan or when you finish the three books, what do you want to do? And then the agent will come to him and say, well, do you fancy writing this? So do you fancy writing that? Um, that to me is the dream because mm-hmm. I would just like to be able to write and not worry about all the other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Whether that happens for me or not, I don't know. And I think <laughs> it's, it's probably, you know, I've been doing this 14 years, so I doubt it will be the case for me. Oh, you never know. But, um, I, I, I like to be, a, you know, when it comes to my own career, I may be harder on myself, but I know that there, not everybody makes it, mm-hmm. you know, but to me, it's not about that. It's about giving the best possible work I can to my readers. Yeah. Because they are the only ones that matter at the end of the day. Like right. you can, you can put all the other politics and everything aside as long as you love what you're writing and people are reading it and they're loving it too, that that to me is all that matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'll, I'll happily say that if you ever get your stuff um, in a position where you're, you're, you're publishing, I will be more than happy to be somebody that will give you a quote or oh, nice. help awesome. you out in whatever way I can. Because I try. I try and help everybody. Yeah. Um, and I think that my husband says, seriously, Crystal, you cannot take any more books into the house because <laughs> we are running out of space. Yep. Oh, and I the worst thing is, that. like, I do, like, I get, my friends will give me books and I'll go away and I'll read them. And then if I don't want to keep them because I don't, I know I'm not going to read them again, mm-hmm. they'll go in the bag for my mother-in-law. Mm-hmm. And then they go to this caravan place that she stays and they get passed around the caravan park okay so they almost get like six or seven lives 
because I keep passing them on, and then they eventually end up in the charity shop, with, so that they're, you know, sold on again. Yeah. Um, but I think that's the whole point of books, because you get to go so many different worlds. Exactly, without ever you, having to leaving to leave your your chair. Yeah, right? you don't need a passport. You you know you don't need to get on a plane, and you don't need to worry about COVID or mm-hmm. anything like that. You can just go do it. Right. You know, you just pick it up and read it, or you you know you can get audiobooks now, so you can just sit and listen to something while you're playing a game of cards or washing the dishes or mm-hmm. trying to wash the cat if that's something <laughs> you have to do, like I do. <laughs> Oh no, my my baby kitten, he's three years old now, and he's discovered that he can get in the bath with mum. Oh, wow. And that he likes the bath, but only if I'm in it. (laughs) Most cats do not. (laughs) I have another one, he's slightly, you know, he's about three, four years older. And he just doesn't like the bath. He doesn't want to be anywhere near water. Mm-hmm. And he is the quietest little guy going. But my three-year-old, if he can get into trouble... He will. Guaranteed he will. Because <laughs> um, he, you know, like one of the things that my husband bought was one of these rotate, you know, these uh, automated letter boxes. Okay. And he goes to me, they can't break it. Uh-huh. Famous last words. Yeah. <laughs> My kitten, because he cannot stand a litter box to be perfectly clean, it's like there's something in him that says no. Mm-hmm. So every time the litter box got clean, he had to go again. Of course. To the point where the litter box couldn't keep up with him. And <laughs> it essentially died. <laughs> in a week. Wow. He killed it in a week. <laughs> and I was like, well, that was a waste of 200 quid. Oh my goodness. <laughs> like, I'm just sitting there going, oh, and now we've got a robotic Hoover because um, I have a bad back, so I can't Hoover. And I'm thinking, how long is it going to be before they kill it? Of course. <laughs> like, it, they, they almost see it as like a, a test, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm just thinking, oh, dear me. Do you have <laughs> any sort of feline or, or dogs that uh, that you have to deal with? I had a cat. I've had I've had cats and dogs, and I've had bunnies, and I've had hamsters and things like that a long time ago. Um, but my cat, his name was Norman. He was a beautiful, fluffy orange kitty, and I unfortunately lost him in January, early this year. Oh, no. Yeah, very unexpected. He, um, he was an amazing little buddy. He would always come and sit on my lap when I'm trying to type. And, As and, they uh, do. Yeah, as they do. He he was a lap cat for sure. Lots of personality, of course. But um, yeah, he had some kidney issues, and it was yeah. quite sudden. Very sad. I miss him a lot. So, I think for writers, we need that kind of companionship in that way because the kittens always remind us that we're loved, and you know, because mm-hmm. we sometimes get so caught up in the <laughs> deadline, yeah. and, you know they kind of calm us back down in a way it's like right you know yeah take your time whatever um so yeah i always say to people like it's super important to have that in your Mm -hmm. life because they are kind of like our way of reminding ourselves that you know let's not be so hard on ourselves because you know we've got these two little buddies that love us or this little buddy that loves us so um, yeah 
And I also say, you know, people try and uh, rescue as much as you can because mm-hmm. I think that I think that's so important because there's yeah. so many that's in the, the homes now. It's it's sad. Yeah. Um, have you seen that that the rescue centers are now bursting because people who got cats of that in COVID yeah. and dogs in COVID are now giving them up. Yeah because they decided they don't have the time for it anymore. Norman yeah. was a rescue kitty. He was, uh, I, I got him from a shelter, and uh, I I definitely encourage people to do the same as well. Yeah, because uh, we got we got phone call for Stefano, and uh, he had gotten separated from his mom, mm. and he'd ended up in a car engine. Oh my goodness. So when we got him, he was less than three weeks old. He was so tiny. Mm-hmm. And he didn't know how to behave with other kittens. Like the day we went to see him, he went and sat on another kitten's head. Right? Oh, yeah. He had no clue about social interaction. Mm-hmm. Terrible. He was absolutely terrible. He was terrified of anybody that was human. Um, you know, he would just freak out. And she said to she goes, he's going to have issues with his stomach. He's going to have issues with anxiety. He's going to have issues with his fur. Are you sure you want to take him on? And we said, yeah, we've already got one that's anxious and Mm -hmm. got tummy issues. You know, and he's fine. So we took him. And uh, I'll always remember the first day we opened the door to go. I had a a kid gate. Mm -hmm. And then I had the bedroom door. And I opened the bedroom door, and I was struggling to get this kid, kid gate, you know, the, the child yeah. logs on it. So yeah. I get the child log off, and he just ran right through the bars. Oh. <laughs> as they Whoops. do. Yeah. And then he was, like, standing, looking at Bob with these just really big brown eyes, as if to say, oh, who are you? Yeah. <laughs> and Bob's staring at it like, wait, what the fuck is that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then Stefano ran right up to him and, and Bob just used his head as a bouncy ball. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the paw came out and he went, bang, 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 bang. <laughs> and then he looked at it and then he looked it up at Ian as if to say, it's still alive. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and it took a while for Bob to get used to him. and Because mm-hmm. he'd been the baby in his of mom course, and yeah. sister's pack. Um, the first day we met Bob, his mum actually threw him down the ramp. Oh. <laughs> as if to say, you go first, and if yeah. you survive, I'll come down. <laughs> so we, we kind of took sympathy on him. Um, it didn't help that he jumped in my handbag, as if to say, right, I'm, I'm coming with you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that that's Bob and, and, and him. And honestly, like they got me through the pandemic. Mm-hmm. I, you know... I wish in a way I'd had a dog because I'd have an excuse to go for a walk. Right. But those two, the chaos that they caused during... The, and it made us all laugh. Mm-hmm. It really did. Um, like, Stefano doesn't know how to break. Mm-hmm. So he tends to run into windows. Oh. <laughs> repeatedly. Yeah. <laughs> like, he sees a bird and he just goes, Oh, yay, bird! Mm-hmm. Run, 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 bang! And then he sort of sits Aww. there and goes, "What happened there?" Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of like you ran into the window again, mm-hmm. <laughs> or he falls off the co- the couch and he sort of looks around as to say, "Who pushed me off?" And yeah, no, that was you. <laughs> 
so yeah we had a, we had a lot of fun and I think I think that's a great thing as well to uh, come on and sort of share humorous stuff about COVID because it lightens how heavy I think it's been on everybody too right and I think as writers we've you know we all try to do writing and stuff but if we kind of connect in a way so if COVID ever comes back we know we have each other to kind of connect in with and sort of almost rely on to keep us all kind of going right yeah and I think your podcast and micro podcast is a good way to do that because they can just say oh it's Monday right you know or oh it's Friday and you know they they have episodes to listen to and it doesn't feel quite so you know lonely or or sort of isolating um so that was another reason I did mine was because um I understood like I grew up in a rural community, so I'm used to being rural and not mm-hmm. having a lot of people. Yeah. And then I thought, well, what's it like for all the people that are used to going to the conventions and the conferences right. and doing book signings and doing these long tours? And I thought, oh, man, it must be hell for them to suddenly be stuck mm-hmm. in one place. Um, and I even admit, I did a book tour back in, I think it was 2017, and I mm-hmm. loved it. Yeah. I... I met so many people, I sold out wherever I went, it was just an amazing experience for me. And I miss that. I have not done a book tour since. Um yeah. but yeah, I miss it and I, I could I could almost understand it. So I think we're changing the changing the game a little bit by us doing these podcasts and saying, Hey, you know, we're not alone. Right. Everyone's welcome. Yeah. And uh talking about the big issues like you know, Barnes and Noble saying that um, companies can't buy their books in anymore. Like they're going to have indie authors in their mm-hmm. stores, and they're expanding outside of the traditional realm. Right. Yeah, the you landscape know? is changing for sure. And that's a really good thing for every author because it means that we all have a more inclusive place. You know, we're all right. going to be considered and given an opportunity. And I don't think any of us thought that that would be the case Mm -hmm. you know yeah and I think that's incredible yeah it's definitely you know it's it's good news for for self-published and indie published authors and I think you know there needs to be more room for everybody and there needs to be more inclusivity as well for sure and do you think we'll see this change in Canada do you think we'll see more stores taking in indie authors outside you uh, I think so. Um, you know, I know there's a lot of, of uh, independent bookstores and they are very much in favor of of getting those those indie authors as well, because why not? You know, they've exactly. taken the same time to write the stories and, and, and that type of thing. It, it shouldn't really matter how you bring a book into the world. If it's out there, why not provide it for their for, for their readers, right? Yeah, and it's it's sometimes having a new author or a new sort of topic coming into the store can almost bring in new customers because they're going to be looking for something different that maybe Barnes & Noble can't offer them or Book Barn can't offer them. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a really good thing. And and I support my my local indie store because... They have this amazing cafe in there, and they have a kids' corner, and mm-hmm. they've really made it a welcoming kind of place. Yeah, nice. And I, you know, the first thing I said to the woman is like, "If you want to have my book in your shop, just you let me know, and and I'll get it organized." And mm-hmm. she has been so supportive too. Oh, nice. Like, 
Yeah, um, so, you know, I, ho- I hope that if I do uh, release a book in the coming future, I can do a book night in her store. Oh, just that would to, be great. to support her and say, you know, put up the flyers or whatever, and I'll come in and I'll do a reading and I'll do question and answering and I'll talk about, you know, balancing life. Because I think that's, that's something that a lot of writers have questions about, is balancing everything. Yeah. Um, and I think discipline's been something that's been discussed a lot on my show mm-hmm. um, by traditional authors and indie authors and are you are you tied to that concept of you know having a very disciplined schedule like you know saying I've got to do it this time this time this time or are you a bit more flexible and you're talking about like the actual writing process yeah 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 like a, like having a writing routine yeah. I I have heard so many things from so many different authors where some of them stick to a routine, some of them absolutely do not. <laughs> and then, of course, there's people that are in the middle, right? Yeah. Um, myself, when I write, I, I don't write every day. And that's totally. partly because I just, I, I just don't have the time. There's just so much going on between writing and um, my editing business and the podcast and, and editing... Excuse me, episodes for um, the shit no one tells you about writing, and there's just you know, and that's that's all business stuff, and that doesn't even take into account my personal life either. So I don't write every day, and sometimes I think no, I should write every day. I should dedicate that time and just and just get the words out, even if it's only a hundred words or something like that. Um, And I know there's a lot of authors that kind of. They operate in, you know, they've got, they're going to write a book in, in, say, five months. So they will schedule their time and make that happen. I've written a book in... Uh, I, I laugh at that because I know so many people that say that, and it mm-hmm. never goes that way. I have <laughs> done the same thing, mm-hmm. and it has not gone to plan. So It's hard. It's hard to it stick is. to that schedule. Yeah, especially when you, 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 ha- you don't have control over things that come up, the unexpected things. But yeah. um, sometimes when I'm in the mode and I'm, I just want to get the story out, I will sit there. I have written the first draft in about six or seven weeks. Um, I've done it over several months as well, but it's not like I give myself a deadline, Uh, you know, March 31st, I'm going to have my book written. Sometimes I'll sort of say, this is my rough deadline. Like I'd like to get it done by that time. But again, there's just, there's so much going on. So I think, I think it depends on on each individual preference and what's going on in each of their lives. And I don't think there's a, a right or a wrong way to do it. It's it's just going to be whatever works for you. Yeah, and I, I totally agree with that. And I, I'm lucky I got a writing coach who I plan to introduce you to. And mm-hmm. she, you know, she said, even if you just do 100 words a day, just, mm-hmm. you know, or 100 words a week, it's about writing when you feel it. Mm-hmm. Don't try and force it. Right. And having, like, to her, she's like, break it down so that you know you've got manageable chunks. Right. And that makes it feel less daunting. Exactly. I think because a lot of us look at the blank page and go, oh, I've got 50,000 yeah. words. Mm. Yeah. Like, it does. It All these negative things sink in. And she's really big about positivity and 
Yeah. You know, saying, okay, if you don't get accepted by that publisher, there's at least 50 that I know that I could possibly introduce you to, or I can introduce you to my agent. And, you know, she's she's such a wonderful person for that, mm-hmm. that that's why I'm introducing you to her. Um, and that's been the great thing about, I think, podcasting is I've been able to find people and connect to people that maybe yeah. need each other. Yeah. And it helps everybody in that exactly. regard um you know like I struggle to find an editor I can afford mm-hmm. you know and so she's trying to help me with that and she's she's just been such a positive influence I really I really adore her for that wonderful um so hopefully I can get you in touch with her and and she might have a positive impact as your coach too mm-hmm. great I think we all need coaches to kind of just rally us on a little bit yeah and I I think just the writing community in general to have that rallying and that support and encouragement and to know that you're not the only one going through this or, yeah. you know, to, to bounce ideas off of or whatnot. It's important to have some people in your life that are supporting you in what you're doing. I also would love if somebody out there who's listening can help me with this street teams thing because mm-hmm. I haven't a clue. <laughs> I mean, I can write a book, I can do all that side of things, but when as soon as it comes to street, like I can get interviews with papers and everything else, mm-hmm. I just have no idea about street teams on social media or any of that. Mm-hmm. I totally fall down in that sort of category. So yeah, um, listeners, <laughs> send me information about how to get a street team. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so talking about books what's kind of is there been a book that you've read recently that you'd say has stuck with you the most um well I'll tell you about a couple of books my um my favorite read uh I read a lot of thrillers uh, and that's what I write mostly I dabble in some other stuff too but I read a lot of thrillers I just that's what my top preference is and my favorite read of last year 2021 is called The Hunted by Rosnay and it was phenomenal I absolutely loved it I loved her her writing style Um, it's a dual POV so I love the differentiation between the characters the voiciness um, and just just everything I loved every Mm -hmm. element in that book so that I would definitely and I do recommend that to anyone who enjoys good thrillers. Um, and then this year, this is a book I think that will stay with me forever. <laughs> it's also, um, it's by, it's a, blah, blah, blah. it's by Colleen Hoover. It's called Verity. I've heard and about this. Yeah. Yes. So very, very, I don't even know that there's one single word that could wrap it up. It's shocking. The first, the very first line is shocking and it had me right from there and I just that, I kept reading that it was is awesome. uh, yeah it, it will never leave me and I have talked about it and talked about it so often and I read it this January with a couple of other um, people and so that we could talk about it yeah and other other people several other people kept recommending it and saying like it's mind-blowing and, and all that and uh, yeah it definitely is so again highly recommend and I think I'll mention one other book because it is out today. Um, it's by the um, 
wonderful author and creative writing instructor and podcast host, uh, Bianca Murray. So her book, um, her newest book is out today. It's called The Witches of Moonshine Manor. And it, you're going to have to send that one to me because yeah. I've heard of it. Yeah. But I cannot spell her name, so I can't find it. Oh, yeah, I'll definitely do that. <laughs> Dyslexia um, is not fun. <laughs> even if you just Google The Witches of Moonshine Manor, I guarantee it'll come up. It is so good. It is. I was lucky enough to have an advanced reader's copy, and yeah. um, she just everything that she puts into that book there's like the characters are so easy to fall in love with the story is great there's lots of humor in it it's uh there's little recipes that she puts in from each of the characters which makes it um you know it's a unique take um so actually her so it's out today and i also interviewed her which is also like i just aired it today um and she talks about you know the process of writing that book and the team that she has behind her because like she said it takes a coven to bring a book into the world right yeah yeah and uh i think that book and and just everything about the story i think that'll stick with me for a long time as well it's a fantastic story it's different it's inclusive it's um it's interesting and there's always you know there's little bits of information that she drops she you know as as a writer myself when I read I'm constantly analyzing okay how did the author do this how did the author do that and because yeah. I know Bianca and I know um you know I've taken several of her courses or probably all of her courses that she offers online and so I'm looking for these things that she's teaching mm-hmm. and one of the things that they talk about on the podcast is you know there's quote-unquote rules of writing and it's important to know those rules and understand those rules before yeah. you can break them. There's there's no rule saying you can't break them, but you should understand them first. And so That's while right, I'm yeah. reading, you know, I'm looking for those things and I'm I'm trying to understand how she's breaking them and and learn about it as I'm reading. But also mm-hmm. just the story itself is very it's so enjoyable. So I definitely would recommend that as well. Have you tried uh, Fiona Cummings? No, I have not. I would highly recommend her. She just did um, a female-driven book. And I actually did a book review on this podcast, which is out now. So if you want to look up, uh, look it up on Spotify or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's called Into the Dark. And it was a thriller she did. And it just... Oh, wow. She just sucks you in. And you're like, wait, did you know what's going like you cannot figure out what's going on till like the very end and then you're mm-hmm. like how did i not see this like yeah. how did i not see this <laughs> she was incredible for that she every book she's written she's written quite a few um the bone collector one that one really got me because it was like a 3 pov style okay so she had like the boy that was being hunted by this serial killer and then you had the serial killer's mind and then you had the the female detective Mm -hmm. so it was like this whole kind of you were getting the whole world yeah and it was so incredibly done like i maybe shouldn't have read it in a hospital (laughs) but it was like you i just forgot that i was stuck in there and i i just got totally swept away and and I really like there's so many people that don't know her because she's not really hitting the states or the the Canada 
quite yet. Right. But she is absolutely incredible. Wonderful. I love books that, that make you feel that way, right? Because that's, mm-hmm. that's really what readers read for. They want to feel something. They want to be exactly. connected to a character. They want to care about what they go through. And yeah, that's wonderful. And I have one last suggestion. And it was, um, this author's passed away, but her best friend's continuing the series on for her. Oh. And the series is called Stillwater Lake. And it is... Sounds familiar. Yeah, it is an amazing thriller. It was done by Rachel Kane. Okay. And that... You kind of get the perspective of this woman who never knew her husband was a serial killer. And then this totally innocent car accident reveals this whole Mm -hmm. dark secret he's been keeping and she has to take her kids and she has to go on the run to protect them from their father and from this whole thing and just that whole adventure kind of like of what she has to learn and what she has to do and how does she work while doing all this stuff yeah it's just you just get so wrapped up in it um, mm-hmm. To the point where my husband was like, "Would you go to sleep? It's four a.m." Yeah, <laughs> sorry. Mm-hmm. Like I've got my little like lamp that goes around my neck, yeah. and I'm sitting there at like four o'clock in the morning. The book's <laughs> right up against my nose, and he's like, "Go to sleep," and I'm like, "But I can't. I gotta just <laughs> gotta do this chapter." Yeah, so, that's when you know you've got a good book. Yeah, and and so yeah, hers is. Um, she, I think she's four or five in, but just. Just the adventure of that was mm-hmm. incredible. Um, I've never never met a writer like her. Yeah. She's absolutely fantastic. Um, and I can't plug her enough. Because I, yeah. I knew her. Oh, um, okay. She was one of the authors that really encouraged me to continue on with my writing. Mm-hmm. Um, I went into publishing, but, you know, I, I won a writing contest when I was 18, and that was the first author, like, the first author that pushed me was Debbie Glory, mm-hmm. famous Scottish children's author. She did um, Pure Dead Brilliant series. Okay. But a family living at Loch Ness with Nessie as their family pet. Yeah. And they had a pet alligator. Honestly, you couldn't read a children's series that was funnier than this. Okay. And uh, so anyone out there who's got kids who is desperate for a series that's funny and you might not know of it, check out the Pure Dead series by Debbie Glory. Honestly, mm-hmm. I heard it when I was like 10 in the hospital. My mom used to read it to me. <laughs> and yeah, that was me. I was I was hooked on Debbie's stuff. And she only writes children's novels, but it it is amazing. She's mm-hmm. she's such a, a comedia, comedian writer. It's... Um, yeah, yeah. I feel I feel very very privileged to have, have gotten that opportunity. So, those are a couple of ones I like to share because I think like the more everyone shares like books they really love, the yeah. more that we get a wider kind of variety. Yeah, so. absolutely. Yeah, I'll have to check that series out for my kids. <laughs> yeah, because like there's honestly they they end up loving just how like living in a castle and like it's got everything as a kid you would possibly want mm-hmm. you know and it, I just think it's, it's amazing um, and they also have this really weird nanny too mm-hmm. uh, which just makes it even even all the more funnier and great yeah nice who do you wish you could sit and just talk to and enjoy like if you had infinite amount of time 
if I had an infinite amount of time to just sit and talk to whoever past present doesn't matter like and a you writer can have you up to three authors you can choose three authors because I'll make it a little bit easier <laughs> um well I'm gonna bring it back around to Bianca again I know I talked to her on my podcast but if I had an unlimited amount of time um and obviously she did as well, then I would love to just sit and pick her brain like for an entire day and just talk writing and talk craft and publishing and all of that. Like, you know, you can learn so much about other writers who have been where you want to go. Um, Exactly. And again, it's only one person's experience and there's, there's other people that have other experiences, but Bianca is so full of insights and knowledge and just you know, pearls of wisdom, and, and she's so giving of her, her time and her her experiences and knowledge and things like that. Like, she's, you know, she's a podcaster as well, and she shares everything that she knows with her listeners and with fellow yeah. writers, and she's so supportive and encouraging, and I would love to be able to sit down for a day with her. It's funny when you were saying that, um, you made me think of a writer from the UK, and she's really not that well known, so I'll be surprised if you know her, um, was the Dame Catherine Cookson, and she was she was made a Dame by the, the Queen here in the UK. Okay. She was a writer that believed in writing stories from the everyday person perspective, mm-hmm. so she wrote a, like, she started out as a servant in a house, and she wrote stories at night you know she'd be getting up at like five o'clock in the morning she wouldn't be getting to her bed at eight till like eight nine o'clock at night and then she was writing till like midnight and she just kept doing this and she had dyslexia and she had depression and she had a blood disorder that they didn't know how to fix and you know she couldn't have kids she went through like this really amazing set of trials Mm-hmm. And if you look at how many books she's written, yeah, and the way she writes, it it's that's what I find truly incredible. Like right. she really does capture that working man's voice or that working woman's voice, mm-hmm. and really opens that perspective up to us. And she talks about sort of World War Two and what it was like for some of the the families. And she does uh, once as far back as you know when everyone was servants or working farms or working mines and she really sort of taps into the things that she's seen and the, the stories she's heard and I think she was like a journalist almost because she she collected all these stories and then she wrote about them okay. in this incredible way and she mm-hmm. tackled um, issues that you know we're only just now starting to tackle so she brought up racism she brought up women's equality she brought up mental health she brought up um disabled people and how they're vulnerable and how people take advantage of that Mm -hmm. so you know and these books are coming out in 92 and 95 and sort of earlier than that so yeah i mean she really was kind of going after things that were not maybe popular to read at the time Mm-hmm. But I've made her legendary now because, right. you know, these are the yeah. things we're dealing with now. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I, I, I recommend have a nosy to have a look around. She, uh, her style's a little bit difficult to read if you're not acquainted with traditional, like, you know, old English that was spoken 
mm-hmm. um, with slang. So you get very sort of if she's in Yorkshire, you get a Yorkshire kind of accent in her writing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if she's in Manchester, there's different. You know, she really captures the the sort of accents of all these different people in different places. Yeah, and I think that makes it makes her very real. It feels mm-hmm. real Authentic. when you're reading it. Yeah, right. Yeah, uh, but I definitely say she's like a master craft. Mm-hmm. Like she was a master before. You know, we even really kind of understood writing techniques or you know the writing rules or those little bits and pieces that we need to tweak right um so yeah i especially if people are are trying to like figure out what the rules are and how Mm -hmm. to bend them to their own writing she's a really good one to just you know if you've read one or two of her books it gives you kind of an idea of of how they did it how she was doing it way before we we were even thinking about it right right um, I think one other author that I would mention too that I would love to sit down with and and pick her brain as well is Diana Gabaldon. Um, of course. Yes, I'm a huge, huge Outlander fan, and I actually didn't know that they were that the series was based on books until after I had started watching the series. Oh, really? Um, which yeah, which I absolutely loved. I saw the. Um, the trailer for the series it was filmed not too far from me actually right right. um so once i realized that it's based on a series of books of course i went out and bought the entire series and just she that's a long series it is it is yeah she brings so much into it so much authenticity and like the, the research i've heard her talk about the research that she does and and just the voiciness and the the language and you know there's romance there's drama there's history there's action like there's and you know taking it from this place and to mm-hmm. this place to this place so it, it just keeps you enthralled with the and whole story it. yeah yeah so it's i would love to sit down and talk with her she's see i amazing. i could read i could read her series i just for some reason i it, you know what the end of book one is, and I'm not mm-hmm. going to spoil it for anybody that's on here, but we'll we'll talk around about <laughs> way so that we don't spoil it. But it was like, it was okay reading it, but I think the way they filmed that mm-hmm. was just too much for me mm. that I haven't been able to watch season two. Oh my goodness. Because I, I don't know, I'm a survivor anyway, but I think it was just too too hard for me yeah and then emotionally you know yeah and then the fact that they play it at the start of every episode yeah. and they tie it into like nearly every episode of the second season mm-hmm. i was just like i know what happens in the second season. i read the second yeah. book so yeah. i know <laughs> so i was like well i could just skip to season three mm-hmm. but then i'm like i don't know what happens in season three i've not read season three book mm-hmm. so kind of like for me it, that that was my only issue um I think her work's incredible. She did get some of the dialects wrong. Um, I remember tweeting her, oh gosh, years and years ago, and I said, uh, "You got you got the accent for this place slightly wrong." <laughs> she tweeted me back, "What? I had experts." Mm-hmm. I said it was just slightly. It was just one or two words out. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think there was quite a few people in Scotland that did the same. We love mm-hmm. her work. It wasn't like a bash. It was just like, I think yeah. Scottish people are very um, protective 
mm-hmm. of our accents and our slangs yeah. because the, the the country was so divided at the time she's writing about right. that just those simple mistakes could start a war you yeah. Know? yeah um and i i just think She's done an incredible job considering it's extremely difficult to write in Scottish history. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I admire her for taking it on, and I yeah. admire her for writing it because it's not easy. Right. Um, but yeah, she did. She did. I think she did an incredible job considering. Um, you know, I I would love to meet her and sit and speak to her a little bit more and say, well, you know, uh, find out that sort of the the reason she chose certain places mm-hmm. I'd be curious about you know is yeah. it these places she's visited and spent time in and just you know things like that um, but yeah she's an incredible author I love mm-hmm. that answer because she is she's yeah. just yeah she's amazing magnificent yeah she um, when I started reading those books that actually got me back into reading because at the time I had let's see in 2014 is when the show came out so I had uh four of my five kids by then and four very young kids and I did not have time to read so I just for a long time I didn't read and that was the series that that brought me back to my love of reading so I'm very thankful to her for that (laughs) yeah and and I, I can't imagine just trying to to wrangle four kids with a fifth one on the way. Yeah. Uh, you you definitely have my respect on that. I've got a I've got an amazing friend in Shetland. She's she's got six and I'm like mm-hmm. how? how how do you do it? <laughs> how like you have to be like she literally has an army schedule mm-hmm. on her like she's got this big whiteboard and it tells her what every kid's supposed to be doing, what club they're at um, and you know, some of them are teenagers, some of them are under two, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, Yeah, wow. <laughs> and they all have chores, she's mm-hmm. trained them, so they all do certain chores. And, and it allowed her to study. She's now a social worker, yeah. And I was just like, Just, just so impressed. So mm-hmm. it was, I'm like, I would struggle with one, <laughs> never mind five, you yeah. know, like, or six is because. Um, I did have a, a twin fr- uh, friend that was twins, and they both got they both got pregnant, and they both had quads. Oh my goodness! And they actually share a house because that's the only way that they can do it. Because mm-hmm. there's eight kids to the two of them. Wow! And the dad's <laughs> the dad's not in the picture, and I just I babysat one day. And I was like, never, ever, ever, ever again. Like, because, yeah. like, you just didn't, like, you, you'd get control of, like, one of the group, and then the other group would go away, and you'd be like, wait a minute, where the heck have you guys gone? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, like, getting them all in one pen was, like, the only way to, <laughs> to do it. I was, like, one to eight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, they so did not prepare me for that. <laughs> and I think that was done, you know, purposely. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I admire anyone who can write and have a beautiful set of kids. <laughs> hands to God, I I don't know, I don't know how you guys do it. I really don't. Honestly, I get asked that all the time, and I don't have an answer ever. I just do it. <laughs> I think as a mom, you just learn to just do it. Yeah, you know? exactly. I think 
I think that's the the lucky thing about mum. You almost kind of get this extra dose of energy, and you just kind of have this instinctual mm-hmm. knowledge that that's. I reckon it's in our DNA that just yeah. must activate at a certain point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who do you wish you had time to sit and read and enjoy? Now you get one author and one series for this. Oh. Your time is infinite, so no kids to interrupt you. Endless supply of snacks, wine, bubble baths, a lot. <laughs> so one author and one series? Yep. Um, this one's harder, and I feel... It's <laughs> hard. Yeah. I... I don't throw softballs on this show. Yeah. <laughs> I recently read... Um, hang on just a second here. Let me think. Oops. So I recently read the first book that I've read by Kelly Armstrong, and I picked her book up because uh-huh. I love anything to do with time travel, for one. Right. Um, a so it's a mystery. What's that? Is it called A Stitch in Time? No, actually. Um, a Rip Through Time. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, I think that's one of the new ones. Um, ah, or maybe right, the newest okay. ones. Yeah, but so it's the first one in a series, um, which I'm glad to hear about because at the end I'm like, oh, I want to keep reading. I, I really enjoyed the book. And when I looked her up, I realized that she has written a ton of books. She has, yeah. Yeah, so, and I enjoyed her writing style and that. So I would love to read more of Kelly Armstrong. So do you um, think you would go for all of her her work or do you think you would just stick to certain areas? Um I don't know. I mean, I like her writing, so if time was infinite and I didn't have any interruptions, I probably would read everything, but I do I do love anything to do with time travel. I'm very much pulled into any premise that has time travel in it or like a dual timeline, so I would probably go for those ones first. Um, and because she has series, then that would kind of cover the the second part of your question too. Um, I'm looking forward to to reading on whenever she has the next book out in that series. Yeah, because um, I just did. Um, I've been reading her werewolf series. Okay. Really good. Like yeah. such an easy read. You just you just get sucked in, and then like before you know it, you're you know, you're three books in or four books in. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I am completely amazed at just how easy it is mm-hmm. and how much fun she is to just read. Yeah. I, I was just like, wow, okay. Because, like, I read her Omen series totally by accident. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this will sound weird. I picked it up thinking it was a fantasy novel. And I'm like, okay, I just want a simple fantasy, but I don't want to be reading the werewolf series. So I was right. like, okay. And then I was like, oh, this isn't a fantasy. <laughs> or is it a fantasy? Is it? And then I got really confused because it's, it's actually a thriller fantasy. Oh, okay. Fantasy thriller, depending yep. on what way you want to put it. And I just got totally, like, you just totally get sucked in by the characters in it. Mm-hmm. And then you've got this part where you're almost like, wait, where is all these, like, 
ravens coming from. Mm -hmm. Should I know why there's all these ravens there? <laughs> like, hmm. So yeah, like I, I totally fell in love with it, and I found her super easy to read. Mm -hmm. Um. So yeah, like it, if you want just one that you can just read and it, just you can go with it. Yeah. And it's not like tight. You know, it's not like you have to pay a super amount of attention. Like you can pick it up and put it down quite easily. Mm -hmm. But still, like get sucked in every time you pick it up. Then yeah, yeah. I recommend her. It it's because it's so much fun. She's just such such a fun read. Mm -hmm. Um. I was not expecting you to see Kelly Armstrong. So. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> well, I will, I'll give you one author uh, that you can, like, series, because, like, I normally give people two. So you can mm -hmm. have, like, a series that's not her. A series that's not her. I don't read a lot of series, so I'm just, I'm trying to come up with... Ah, I've caught you so, unaware. Yes, <laughs> yes. I'm good at that, by the way. <laughs> Apparently, it's what? one of my hidden talents. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess maybe I could answer with um, another series that I started watching um, again before I knew that it was a book series. Was The Last oh, okay. Kingdom, and I, again, you know, it's it's that um, in the past kind of thing and it's um, oh, right. time yeah travel last kind of style well yeah. it's not time travel but it's it's something that that um you know it's from a long long time ago and i love historical type stories and so i i've yeah. seen the series and i um i bought the first of the series so that is a series uh. that i do look forward to reading at some point yeah, when you get when you get through the long list of uh, yeah. yeah, I know the ever toppling TBR, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like I look at my, I have a reading pile next to mm -hmm. my bed. that's on the book on the bed case, and those are like fillers if I ever get through the next book, you know, stack, yeah. which is the immediate read. And they they literally sit there so that every morning I wake up and I see them. And I'm like, okay, I've got to read those. Yeah. Like, you know, first. Like, those are the first ones I read. And then I have these ones to read. And it kind mm -hmm. of, like, reminds me. So I can't just go, oh, I will yeah. go buy a new book today. Because <laughs> it's almost like a reminder. No, Crystal, you've got this stuff to read first. Yeah. Oh, I'm terrible with that. I'll buy it anyways and just keep adding yeah. it on. <laughs> I, I, I am as well. Like, my mm -hmm. husband's like, really, Crystal? really yeah just, no stop stop um but like i get i get arcs now um, yeah and i when i get an arc and i have to stop whatever i'm reading right and then read the arc so i find that i don't want to say frustrating because it's not frustrating but i find it kind of amusing because then i have to i have you to decide okay well and now i have to go back and i have to pick the book that I was reading before back up because I usually yeah. read a book that's related to what I'm writing so that I can stay in the world. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that, that's normally a... Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I love it because the, the books that I get sent are usually a lot of fun. Yeah. And I usually get really sucked into it. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of almost having to... I'm learning the balancing of reading yeah. now, which yeah. I didn't have down before, but I'm 
I, I'm feeling like I'm getting there with it. Mm-hmm. A little bit, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like that, too? Like, do you get an arc in, and then you're like, oh, I need to switch it up, or... Yeah, like, I mean, there's obviously time constraints with those ones, so they kind of take yeah. priority over the books that I have in my TBR that are for leisure reads, right? Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, I love... I love that. I'm very appreciative to have those arcs, and Same. a lot of the time they just get sent to me, um, and there's a few that I have requested as well, and, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, but it, it broadens my my reading experience, right? Um, it does, yeah. So yeah. even if it's an arc, um, some a type of story or, or whatnot that I haven't heard of, then I get exposed to that, and I get to talk about the book with the author, which is really fascinating. Um, but yeah, I mean that, that I almost consider reading the arcs for the podcast, um, more, I don't know how to explain it, but like, like I said, it, they take priority. Um, so even if I'm in the middle of reading a different book, then I will, I'll have to put that one down and, and read it so that I can have them done on time. Do you ever feel like it's, it comes across as work in a way, like you feel like oh, this is starting to feel like work in a way, like when, well, you're, when you're getting stuff in. Yeah, that's, I guess, what I was trying to get at is that it, it does feel more like, because I'm required to read those for mm-hmm. my podcast. Yeah. So um, I guess in a sense it's it's like work, but I also enjoy reading, so it's not like work, <laughs> if yeah, that makes that, sense. That's, yeah, it does make sense because, like, sometimes I'll get like a pile in and then I, there is that little moment of oh that's a lot of work mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> but then it's like when I start reading it and I realize how good the work is mm-hmm. then it's not work anymore and like my husband yeah. can't understand it he's just like how do you not like realize that's work and I'm like well you have to kind of be a reader to understand because yeah. he's not really a reader so it's yeah. really hard to explain it to him and then I'm like mm. Like, you know, trying to, like, figure out, well, how do you explain this to somebody that's not a yeah. reader? <laughs> yeah. Well, a lot of the times, too, it means that I have to read a lot more quickly. But yep. also, when I'm reading a book I really enjoy, I do read it quickly. I, If I can carve out we the time. Do, yeah, yeah. If I can carve out the time, I can have a book read in a day or maybe two. So sometimes I have to carve out that time. So yeah. that's kind of the difference. Yeah. I, I do it at bedtime. Yeah. Because, like, that's the only time that's mine. Mm-hmm. And I'll go, right, okay. Because I have stopped myself from writing in bed because I, I felt like it was overrunning my whole life. So yeah. it's like, okay, when I go to bed at, like, 7, 8 o'clock at night, that's it. No writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll watch, a, like, a, a film or whatever with Hubby, and then Hubby will go and do his, his own thing. And then I sort of kind of, I shut it down and I go, right, okay, now I'm going to read. And I make a point of spending maybe an hour or two hours reading mm-hmm. so that I am taking in new material and I'm expanding yeah. my horizons and I think it's a good thing if you can lop out two hours at night or whatever yeah. especially if you're a mum because that probably when you get to bed is the only time it's actually yours yes precisely so you know I I, I respect that greatly because um, mm-hmm. it's not easy no. <laughs> is there an author, past and present, who's influenced, inspired, and made you excited about books? 
Um, well, like I said, Diana Gabald, and she kind of got me back into to reading um, and, and inspired my, well, I mean, I've always wanted to write, but she also kind of inspired me to um, get out some of the stories that I had in my head as well. So, but, um, yeah, Yeah. but one that I come uh, come back to all the time, her name is Susan Kay, and she wrote a book, it's called Phantom, the Novel of His Life, so it was based on the Phantom of the Opera prior to when he became the Phantom of the Opera. So I think... It started, you know, it started when he was born and, and kind of followed his life and, and the places that he went and the, the troubles that he encountered along the way. Um, and it was written by, like, it's a multi-POV book. And I always come back to that because I was so impressed with how she did those those multiple characters' points mm-hmm. of views um, and kept them interesting and um, voicey. So that was a book that that really inspired me to want to write in multiple point of views and and that's or sorry points of view. And that's a lot of the time what I'm finding that I'm doing. I don't think I've ever written I don't think I've ever completed a manuscript that's only in one point of view. I always am drawn yeah, to write see. somebody else's point of view as well. Have you tried Sing Me Forgotten by Jessica S. Olsen? No, I have not. That one is based on Phantom of the Opera, so you might actually really enjoy that one. Okay. Um, she was on the show, and she has done an amazing job of it. Like, mm-hmm. one of the reviews that she had on hers is a delicious, magical, feminist twist on the beloved classic, The Phantom of the Opera. Oh. And that was by that was um, reported by Kester Grant of the Sunday Times bestselling author of The Court of Miracles. So that's mm-hmm. like somebody else that's quite um, famous in the way. But her stuff was um, it came out first of February of this year, and yeah, I've got it on my TBR. It's it's an in fact like fantastic read. Absolutely, mm-hmm. she's incredible. Um, so if you like it, then you know like yeah. that kind of um, genre in that area, then I think she's definitely worth checking out. Yeah, for sure. And I, I know if you reach out to her, she'd love to be on your podcast. She's yeah. absolutely <laughs> okay. amazing like that. And she's also got kids, so... Yeah, um, she understands that aspect. <laughs> yeah, she understands it well, yeah. Yeah. What time, if you could go back in time, would you visit? And would you go back as a writer, princess... Or another job? I have always loved like 18th, 19th century. I am very much pulled to that era. I love reading stories in those eras. Um, I've written in Victorian UK. I've, it's just, I love it. Um, and I particularly, love the yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Particularly in Europe. Now, I have never been to Europe. It's somewhere where I've mm-hmm. always had a strong pull to go. It's unexplained. It's very strong. I don't understand it, but it's one day I have to get over there and explore all these wonderful places. But um, I think as fun as writing would be, I think just based on the time period, I would want to be something like a midwife or a healer. Um, Oh, I like that. Yeah. Midwifery. If I wasn't doing any of this, I would want to be a midwife. That has always been kind of a dream. I love the whole 
it know. is hilarious you say that because yeah. I was actually doing my midwifery training. Oh wow! Uh, when I was sixteen, um, mm-hmm. but I couldn't take the hours. The hours yeah. killed me. Uh, yeah. But I delivered a couple babies. Oh my goodness! That's wonderful. At least, you know, kind of in a roundabout way. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it was great. You know, like. To me, it was nice to be involved in life rather than yeah. as because I'd grown up in hospital to be around life rather than around those that were constantly struggling and, mm-hmm. and, and weren't having a great time of it. So, yeah, I totally understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I always recommend to women who have had children, it's really mm-hmm. important if you've had children because you can, because a lot of the mothers will say, but you don't understand this pain. And you oh. can almost turn around and say, well, actually, yeah, yeah I do. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, it's helpful to be able to say that because that way you instantly bond with the wife and she's able to go, okay, I can put my faith in this woman because she's been through it. She's not going to yeah. maybe go through any unnecessary pain or, yeah, or anxiety exactly. or whatever. Um, and that's really important. So I always recommend people that if you ever do want to be a midwife or if you ever had that itch to do it and you've been a mom and you know what it's like to go through birth and all Mm -hmm. that joy then do it because there's such a shortage of midwives right now Mm -hmm. Um, yeah and it's especially in Canada and and here in Scotland yeah um it's really a really honestly a thankless job but in a way seeing those little ones come into the world right and you being a being the reason that they've come in safely and soundly and mm-hmm. that is that is such a reward in itself so yeah I always exactly. try and encourage yeah like yeah yeah me too I I'm I had all of my babies naturally and oh um, you were had, a <laughs> I had home births I had an unassisted birth I've kind of been around that block in different ways <laughs> and I enjoy it immensely mm-hmm. and I always yeah. I'm always talking about um, midwifery and and recommending that and I, there is a shortage and there's also kind of a movement happening there's you know we're kind of coming back around to the the naturalness of of giving birth and to be a midwife is to accompany a woman on that journey and I think that's so important and just you know like you said seeing the little ones come out into the world and and take the first breaths and things like that and just supporting other women on that journey because it is it is something that only you can do but you need the support of others around you and to have um, someone that is knowledgeable and encouraging and and calm that can keep you calm because you know what it's gonna hurt there's no way around it and that's I think how I got through it too is just it's mindset it's making up Mm -hmm. your mind knowing that it's gonna hurt so I just need to deal with it the best I can and by the time I had my fifth don't fight it exactly that makes it worse by the time I had my fifth baby I didn't utter a single sound when I when I had him and it was just beautiful and magical so if I could do anything else being a midwife would be it and I think in that time when it was common to have midwives I think that would probably be a smart a smart move (laughs) Because I always think if I went back in time and I didn't have my health issues that I have now, I would definitely be a midwife. 
but I would I would also write, but I would probably probably write under a secret pet name. Yeah, yeah, probably you know, a man's like, name in that time, right? <laughs> yeah, like I would I would be writing stories and probably stories that would be inspired from my time as a midwife. And I got told I I, I took to midwifery so quickly, like I was a, like it was a duck on water. I just I did it really well. It's just my body couldn't cope with the hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um so getting signed off before I actually qualified, I was so close to qualifying it 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 broke my heart. It yeah. so oh my badly. Goodness. But um yeah, I and I know that it you know, after seeing women in labor and stuff, I'm like, okay, I know this is gonna hurt. I'm not gonna fight it. But I'm also gonna get pain meds because I'm yeah. a moose and a half. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I think it kind of gave me a, a reality check because like mm-hmm. I always wanted a big family. I still want a big family, but I also was like, yeah, that's a lot of time and labor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe need to rethink this idea. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Um, has there ever been a book that you've picked up and you wished you hadn't and why? I would have to say no. And the reason I would say that is because, um, I mean, obviously there's been books that I haven't enjoyed or I didn't finish, but I try to think about how much time and effort the author put into it. And I know that struggle, right? Um, If they're a serious writer, they'll, they'll keep writing and, Mm -hmm. and they'll keep getting better like all of us. Um, And maybe their next book will be great, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So I, I I would never say that there's a book I would never pick up again because that's just kind of a a smack in the face to to that author, right? Um, because like I said, I, I know the struggle that it takes, and and so yeah. many of us, well, all of us, go through that. We all are learning, and mm-hmm. to have the bravery to be able to put out a book, whether it's good or not as good or it you know, makes you vulnerable yeah. right you are vulnerable with every book that that comes out whether it's been traditionally published or self-published or indie published you you yeah. are vulnerable and you know the, the readers that don't like it, it it's not for everybody not everyone yep. is going to like your book but to have that bravery to put it out that's that's a huge step and so I think it's commendable for for any author and the, the reason I always ask this question is because the answers that you gave there are super important for people to hear from as many different writers and different yeah. people as possible, because you do get a lot of people that will go on to good, you know, Goodreads and onto Amazon and put, you know, did not finish because it was boring or it was trash or mm-hmm. the grammar was rubbish or the, you know, this wasn't written correctly and, or it's not it's not the genre I expected or do you know what I mean like there's so many different things that, that that reviewers can sometimes do that actually really hurts the author yeah and puts the author in a really bad position and sometimes will rattle an author so bad it takes them a really long time to put anything else out because mm-hmm. there's that constant fear of well maybe I'm not good enough to put something like this out yeah um so that's why I ask it because I think it reminds readers that we're human and that we have feelings yeah. and you know we do read every one of us reads the reviews that goes up on goodreads we mm-hmm. cannot help ourselves yeah um but it's also good to remind us as authors that 
not everyone's gonna love the books not everyone's going to leave a nice review mm-hmm. there is going to be some people that are going to write horrible things and we in a way have to be prepared for that yeah absolutely um, and let it go and just remind ourselves that there's there's at least a hundred people out there that will love the book yeah and and will cherish what we write and we just have to to focus on the positive rather than right i would say the negative that that we gonna get trapped up in um yeah so yeah i know it's a bizarre question but well no i mean for reminding yeah and i think it needs to be said and there's a lot of of there is a lot of power in those reviews and you you do have to take the good with the bad and it's you know there was a book that came to mind when you asked me that and i was asked Mm -hmm. to review it and i was sent a physical copy and i thought oh that's fantastic yeah i'd love to and I didn't finish it. I couldn't finish it. It was, you know, but I am never going to to give an author a bad review because that author put a lot of work into it. And, you know, when you when you get to that point where you're going to publish your book, there's a lot of pride there. And because you know the struggle that it took to get to that point. And I would never want to diminish that in an Mm -hmm. author, you know, that Mm -hmm. it's so, you know, and I politely wrote them back and I said um, I don't feel comfortable putting a review on because I don't think a quote-unquote bad review does anybody any favors and I don't think it's right Um, so I would prefer not to review it because you know I I give good reviews when I when I when I like a book I'm going to talk about it I'm going to give a good review but I will never badmouth you know another author. The other thing I've noticed um, and it, it troubles me is that particularly some reviewers if it's an indie publish or self publish they tend to be so much more harder on those authors Mm -hmm. than maybe what they would be if it's a traditional publisher yes because i think it's almost like oh that's a traditional publisher there's our stamp of approval instantly Mm -hmm. and i think that there's kind of like it's a it's an unfair balance so you're almost like fighting uphill from the very beginning because people look for that stamp of yeah. oh that's a harlequin or that's a harper collins or that's a pan mcmillan so it's going to be good mm-hmm. because that's what they have in their minds is the only way that a book can be good is if it's been published by one of those companies yeah and i that kind of worries me because there will be authors who will think oh yes i've done it and then they see that these particular set of people go and they do that and it discourages them forever writing a second one mm-hmm. or it puts them completely out of the business because they they're like well I'm never going to be with a traditional publisher so I'm not going to continue writing mm-hmm. and I've I've heard authors say that and I'm like oh god no don't don't yeah. ever mi- let somebody put you in the position where you feel like you can't write just because they haven't liked your book yeah and I've, I mean, I've pulled, I think, a couple of authors back from the brink because they said, well, you know, this person didn't like my work instantaneously. They never read a word I'd written. But because I wasn't with a traditional publishing house, they purposely went out and wrote bad stuff on all my books. Mm-hmm. And I just think, how horrible is that? Yeah. You know? And that's to why I think it's... To somebody. Yeah. It's important. And, and, I mean, I'm noticing that that indie books are getting a lot more 
um, FaceTime really. They're they're getting out there more and people are realizing that that is not the case just because you're not published with, you know, Macmillan or Simon Schuster or whoever. It doesn't mean that you can't write just as good as any other author. And like I said before, it it shouldn't matter how it's published because that, that is not that is not how you should judge a writer's writing. You should read it regardless of where it's published and, and decide for yourself on the story, not not based on where it's published. Exactly. And I think if we can encourage more readers along that mindset, mm-hmm. we will see a much more sort of inclusive environment for everybody and a much more broader sense of the written, mm-hmm. like the writing. Um, so like I, I try and say to people like, I know I haven't gotten an agent. Um, and I know with the dyslexia, the chances of me getting an agent, they're really, really slim. But I keep saying to people, you never know what's around the corner. Exactly. Like, you know, yes, you've got an uphill battle, but you know what? People will respect you more because you've gone through an uphill battle. Yeah, exactly. Um, so don't, you know, don't, don't let the first hurdle be your last. Um, and I, I think, I think that support in supporting each other is really important. And I think that's almost being forgotten for so long, too, because right. mainstream authors, once they've made it, they kind of just focus on their own careers and mm-hmm. the people that they're doing table talks with and the panels with. And they forget about the indie authors that they maybe spent time with talking to and doing stuff with. Yeah. You know, we should never forget that our community is wide and vast. Right. And we need to be that kind of. Every one of us needs to be an example to the next. Oh, um, absolutely. Yeah, and I, yeah. that I've been working on that myself. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't leave a bad review if I know it's not a, a book that I can finish. Right. I just say politely to the author, like, I'm really sorry, I just couldn't do it. Yeah. But I, if somebody offers me an arc, I take it. And I, you know, even if it's something... The only one I can't dig is horror, because I know for a fact I can't read horror, but... <laughs> Um, I will try, like, I will go out of my way to physically try to help that author, you know, yeah. with whatever I can. And and I think, especially if we have podcasts and we have ways to reach more people, then we need to kind of try and reach out to more independent authors and say, hey, you know, if you, if you want a helping hand or if you want to be on the show, please feel free to reach out and, mm-hmm. and I'll invite you on and I'll schedule on. Because I think... If you're doing podcasts and stuff, you're slightly, people are more slightly aware of you. Mm-hmm. So that makes us have to work harder as, as in examples to how maybe we should all treat each other. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, so, I mean, that's 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 what I try and do. Um, yeah, I must be same. insane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, I try, and my husband's like, why are you trying so hard? And I'm like, oh, because, you know some people you know there's people out there who are trying to help me and i believe in you know passing it on and yeah exactly and he does give me the funny look of oh, right okay you know <laughs> but yeah i think i think it's it's a good thing that we should kind of hold on to and mm-hmm. move forward with yeah so now you're moving into podcasting slash writing mm-hmm. what drove you to well you've i mean i know you've already explained this but what drove you to create your podcast? What what do you feel made it that bit exciting for you to do it? Well, 
just going back to what you were saying is is wanting to sort of I guess pay it forward you know I've had a Mm -hmm. lot of of writing community friends that I've made and they've been helpful and supportive and I've learned a lot from those people and I want to to turn around and do it for them and for others and I think that no matter what stage of writing you're in even if you're Mm -hmm. just at the very beginning you may have learned something that somebody else doesn't know and sharing that knowledge I think is so important and being able to connect with each other and so that we don't feel alone like you were talking about earlier Um, because you know I think writing is often seen as a very solitary profession or or you know whatever you want to call it but it doesn't have to be and I think the more involved you are with that writing community and the more people you have behind you supporting and encouraging you the the better you're going to be and we're all learning and we're all growing it doesn't matter how long we've been writing for or how many published books we have under our belt it is it's a constant learning process and a constant growing process so just to be able to give a you know to have a platform to share knowledge and insights with everybody um, you never know what somebody's learning journey has been and what their writing journey has been so you don't know you know, I could say something today or any of our authors that we've had on our podcasts, they could say something that will inspire someone or or help mm-hmm. them in some way. And I think that's super important. So even though I have never been a public speaker, I do not public speak. I always hated doing speeches in school and standing up in front of people and talking. And I think, you know, as you grow in years and as you get experience life experience um when you're passionate about something it's easier to talk about it with people Mm -hmm. um so even though I've never I never never expected that I would be doing something like this and you know talking to essentially strangers that you've never met um on the other side of the world right um but I think it's it has enriched my life as a writer and a reader, and I think to be able to share that with other people is super important. So it's become something that I absolutely enjoy. So I'm very glad that I took that step. And I'm very grateful that you took it, and I'm very grateful that you joined us on the Book and Wife podcast because your voice has such an importance, and I think you're, you have such a positive attitude that I am honestly delighted that, that we were able to get you on and even though we had to reschedule a few times. Yeah. <laughs> we got you, there yeah. at the end. <laughs> yeah, we eventually made it work. And that's very sweet of you to say. Like, thank you. What do you love about doing your podcast? What would you say you love the most about this sort of experience? Um, you know what? Every time I see someone saying, oh, I just listened to this episode and I found it fantastic and I learned, you know, ABC, XYZ, whatever. Yeah. Um, That makes me happy because even if I've reached one single writer and I've helped them in some way, that that brings me joy. That makes me feel happy to know that I have somehow in some even small way helped somebody else. And um, it's kind of the same thing with editing. The reason that I am an editor is because it, it combines two of my biggest passions, which is writing and helping people. I've always strived to help other people I'm always positive for other people sometimes I need to take my own advice on that um don't we all yes exactly right um so and like it's the same thing with the podcast I love being able to reach other people and I love 
the same thing that I thought I would never do talking to people um, that I don't even know and you know I've never met in person that I think has become what I like the most because it's it's enjoyable to to be able to sit here with you and talk with you and you're you know almost halfway around the world and we're talking about shared passions and interests and it's fun it's fun getting to know these people and it's, it's also bizarre because you're in Canada and I'm in Scotland and we technically have that British connection of yeah you know um I have that with Australia too it's it's so weird because people are like oh you're part of like the whole British thing and I'm like yeah yeah <laughs> even though Scotland's trying to get its independence yeah mm-hmm, yeah so yeah I always I always kind of look guilty when I'm like mm. <laughs> so what makes you right what would you say sparked you to want to be a writer I know that you're not published we're just talking about writing in general yeah yeah um even when I was a little girl I loved telling stories and something I always remember my mom talking about was how imaginative I was and how creative I was and coming up with all of these strange and new and wonderful ideas and that has carried on with me through my years and when I got into my teens I used to write I'm going to say novels, novel length works, or maybe novella length works. And it's just, it was a way for me to get out my emotions or to turn Mm -hmm. whatever was going on in my life into something, you know, writing has always been very cathartic for me. And there was a long period where I just, I didn't have the time. I was a mom and I was, you know, doing X, Y, Z. I was traveling Um, So there was a long period where I didn't put my pen to the page and I just, it it wasn't a priority, but eventually I've always got these ideas. And and actually the first manuscript that I completed was a story that had been sitting inside my head for 25 years. And I, yeah, that was the first one that I was like, you know what, screw it. I'm going to sit my butt in the chair and I'm going to write. So it has always been something in me and it just took the paths that I had chosen in life to get me to where I am now Um, and I wouldn't have it any other way you know that life experience that I have now I think um, goes into my writing yeah Yeah, it does matter and the way that I accept and learn information um, is different now than when I was at a teenager right Um, of course and just the way that I've the things that I have learned about writing and the process and about publishing and all of that. So now I'm just at the point where I love writing. I love getting out the stories. I love trying to fit the pieces of the puzzle together. And I love learning new bits of information that can help me do that. So here I am. Is there, like, in your writing process, do you have a jigsaw or is it like a movie for you? Like, oh. is it a jigsaw style, or do you feel like it's just a movie that you're you're recording on paper? It's definitely a movie in my head. I see it very clearly, so I try to write as close to that as possible. I'm very descriptive in my writing, um, so I it's definitely a movie. However, um, once I get the first draft out and... Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, revising and things like that, then it kind of sometimes becomes a jigsaw puzzle because 
there are parts where I think need to be moved around and the, the, the layout of the story needs to be changed, it might not start the right way, I might have a different idea for an ending, there might be things that I want to to kind of slide around and shove into place in the middle, so yeah. I think it's a little of column A, a little of column B. I like that. I'm I when I'm plotting it's a jigsaw because like I have it almost like a shattered piece of mirror and I have to kind of put it all together as I plot it. Mm-hmm. Um, I say it to my husband all the time. I wish I had like a big whiteboard so that when I'm plotting I can like write everything up there and then once it's all plotted down on paper I could just like rub it out mm-hmm. and then kind of move on to the next bit. Um, and then for me it's like a movie too because it just flows. Once right. I have those those bullet points that I work off of then it flows but I can't pants so yeah <laughs> I, can't, I have to kind of use both as well so it's kind of awesome when you meet somebody else that's got that similar outlook as well because you feel mm-hmm. like oh yeah you got a buddy yeah yeah so what was your ultimate dream be as a writer and as a podcaster Mm. Well, I mean, the podcast for me is it's connecting me with other writers, which is, you know, if I wasn't writing, none of this would be happening. So it all started with writing. Um, So I enjoy that that aspect of it. As a writer, I think I share the dream of many when I say that I would love to be, you know, I want the agent. I'm going to hold out for the agent. That's that's what my goal is. I want to be published with one of the big you know, publishing times, companies. Yeah. It's just, that's what I've always seen myself doing. And so that's, mm-hmm. that's what path that I have chosen, but, um, and to have it make it to the big screen in some fashion, <laughs> whether it's a series or a movie or something like that, I think that would just be top goal for me. It would be absolutely amazing. Um, and just to see how that whole process works. Um, and in terms of the podcast, it is, you know, like I said, I wouldn't be doing that if I wasn't writing and it is enabling me to connect with other writers, to learn from other writers, to share knowledge with other writers. And it's helping me to, to build that presence as well. So I think it all kind of ties in together. I like that answer because I, I think you kind of have to do both at the same time sometimes mm-hmm. for you to make it um, take you anywhere or to, to achieve anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, that, or at least that's what I found. Like, uh, I hope that one day I do meet the big kind of agent that will be like, "Hey, yeah, you know, uh, let's do this. Um, mm-hmm. You know, let me let me take charge and see what I can do for you, and and see how I can make life better." Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also slightly sort of nervous about that too because I'm like, oh. "Yeah," because <laughs> that means like giving over control. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I know. That's that's kind of the downside, if I yeah. just for lack of a better word, yeah. But to have someone that will champion your your work, your masterpiece, yeah. you know, that's it's that's validating. Yeah, that's the highlight for it. Um, mm-hmm. It makes it easier, I think. Mm-hmm. So, what do you think the next big genre will be? Um, I think that there's been sort of a lot of dystopian novels written lately and yeah you know given yeah given the state of the world right now I would not be surprised if more writers kind of tap into that genre 
um, whether that's because they're sort of predicting what they think could happen or they're trying to rewrite a better ending, just, you know, trying to keep positive with everything. Um, I, I'm not sure, but I think it's a pretty popular genre right now, so I would not be surprised if that's kind of the next, the big thing. It's, it's funny you say that because um, I have a dystopian novel that I, I am writing. Okay. And it's called Test Zone, and it's about a girl who kind of gets woke up in the middle of the night by this big, huge event, and she's got to kind of grow up in a handful of hours. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she ends up having to try and become part of a team that helps save her town. And there's so much on the line for her that you kind of see her emotionally struggle with that. Mm-hmm. but then trying to always kind of push yourself to rise to the challenge um, so if I ever complete it I might send it to you first before Absolutely. I send it anywhere else <laughs> I might be like can you please be my editor um, <laughs> you know because I, I like to give it to people that because mine would be a dystopian thriller mm-hmm. and nice. I know it's like it's like a YA dystopian thriller so it's like I'm be- blending three genres mm-hmm. Um and I think that's really difficult to do. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I've been a sports romance writer for 14 years, and I don't want to just be a sports romance writer. I want to yeah. do different things. So, yeah, if I finish it, I will send it to you, and I'll pray that you can polish it up to oh, wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. And my my goal is actually to get that published with a Canadian publisher. So okay, interesting. Um, However, I do not know Canadian publishers, <laughs> so this may be a very awkward journey for me. <laughs> <laughs> you never know, though. There are lots of authors who publish outside of their own country, so there well, are yeah, definitely I mean, opportunities. Says, says to me, like, why don't you publish in the UK? And I'm like, well, because UK, the biggest thing they look for is crime novels, mm-hmm. um, and it's very difficult to kind of break out of that mm-hmm. genre. Or to try and go against the grain and try and get your book into a publisher's hands that isn't necessarily looking for crime. Right. Uh, so, yeah, I'm I'm looking to kind of take this international and see, because I have I have family and I have blood in in Winnipeg that I've never gotten to meet, and mm-hmm. I'd like to kind of emigrate one day to Canada. I think that would be amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, one of my doctors emigrated. He fixed my jaw for me. And mm-hmm. he emigrated out there, and he told me it was the most amazing experience of his life. So nice. I would love to at least see Canada. Yeah. A little bit. Um, and if I can get a book published over there, maybe I can come out and do a book tour. <laughs> yeah, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, that that's my goal. Uh, mm-hmm. Whether I can achieve it or not is a different story. <laughs> Perseverance is key. <laughs> so moving into your life, what's the first thing you do when you want to de-stress from life, editing, writing I would have to say there is a little piece of paradise um just north of here just uh, I don't know about three hours and it's kind of so where I am I'm in the the southern Ontario Niagara Peninsula so that's kind of near Niagara Falls and you know very city-like and very you know you can't you basically leave one city and you're right into the next. So it's like everything's kind of getting eaten up by Toronto. Um, Is it very rainy there? Um, I wouldn't say very rainy. No, we get a lot of, of 
Um, Not Scottish, Scottish level. No, <laughs> I would say, I mean, without having been there, but only just hearing what people say, I think it's probably the opposite. <laughs> we, we are rain at least once a day. Okay. Yeah, no, every, we definitely don't have that. <laughs> so yeah, in the even summer... Even it snows, it rains. Yeah. In the summer, which is my preferred season, I love the fall. Absolutely love the fall. That's... So do I. I love oh, it, love I it, love, love it. Especially here, because there's just so many beautiful colors and just that crispness. Um, and I love the pumpkin season. Yeah. I think oh. that probably just sounded like I said Christmas. The crispness in the air. <laughs> it did um, actually sound a little yes. bit like Christmas, and I'm like, mm, but pumpkins. Uh, yeah, no pumpkin like, season. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. I also want to be in Canada too because you guys appreciate pumpkin pie and you oh, appreciate goodness, all yes. the things of pumpkin. Oh yeah. Where <laughs> I live, nobody likes it, and Aww. I'm like. <laughs> like yep. I suggested making pumpkin pie for the family and they're all glass region mm-hmm. uh, the looks I got <laughs> and I was like okay not pumpkin fans I get it so, well mental note if you ever come here I will have to make you my mum's pumpkin pie it's like the oh, best pie I ever <laughs> cause like I had spiced pumpkin like I go mad soon as I know spiced pumpkin lattes yep. are on the menu at yeah. Starbucks we have one 10 minutes along the road and I'm like Ian we gotta go to Starbucks yeah. and he's like oh for f- let me guess pumpkin season and I'm mm-hmm. like yep yeah. and then I, I literally found it on Amazon you can buy the pumpkin syrup mm-hmm. yep I've done oh, that Ten pound, ten pound, <laughs> and I was in heaven for like three months. Mm-hmm, exactly. Um, yeah. But aside from from fall, I am very much a summer gal because I love the hot weather. I absolutely I despise you. winter. I don't like snow. It might be pretty on like the first day, but I do not like being cold. So I prefer I summer. Too. Yeah. Yep. So yep. In, this, yeah. in this little slice of paradise, um, it's very private. Um, it's you know very. I'm surrounded by nature. There's nobody else around. And I just absolutely love it. And being there is so peaceful. And it just kind of, it helps me de-stress. It helps me forget about everything that's going on in the world and just be. And I love that. And, and that's, that's my favorite place in the world. It doesn't matter how far I travel. That is number one for me. I love that. And if, if you ever come to Scotland, I will take you everywhere. Excellent. Uh, that's good. <laughs> and I will also introduce you to the best fish and chip shop. Oh, yummy. Awesome. So, yes. And the food here, if you like fish and seafood, I can take you to some of the best places to have that. Mm-hmm. But it will spoil you because you'll never <laughs> want seafood or fish anywhere else. Like, honestly, I tried to have, um, I had a fish pie the other day. Mm-hmm. And it's just not the same. It's like, yeah. <laughs> I grew up with, like, fresh fish that literally had just come off the boat. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's just not the same. Nice, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I'll take you I'll take you there, and I'll cook you some traditional Scottish meals, and I will not kill you with the chili-filled <laughs> haggis, I promise. <laughs> There's, like, so many people, they get all excited, and then somebody gives them, like, a chili-filled haggis as a prank, and I'm like... Dudes, come mm. on. You know, that's me. <laughs> what hobbies do you enjoy? And are there ones you wish you could explore more? 
One of my hobbies is photography. I actually, several years ago, yeah, yeah. I used to run a small lifestyle photography company just for a short time. Um, We ended up moving and then I just wasn't doing it anymore. But it's always something that I enjoy doing. Um, So, you know, I'll still try and do photography here and there just just for my own benefit or or whatever. Um, But I also, there's there's kind of two things that I would love to do. One is to learn how to play some type of musical instrument. I've got a guitar, I've got a harp, I've got a piano, I've got a Celtic tin whistle, I have a Those small are violin. Those yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, And I have a kalimba, and I know how to play exactly zero of those. Um, I kind of taught myself how to play a few songs on the piano, um, like not just, you know, chopsticks or something, but actual yeah. songs with two hands. Um, and I was sort of learning how to play the guitar many, many years ago. So I have all these instruments, and I would absolutely love to learn how to play any or all of them. And I think the the one I would like to play the most is the cello, which I don't have. So one day I would love to play something. Um, the other thing is pottery. I'm obsessed with, like, coffee mugs and wine, wine glasses, and I love I their too, uniqueness. Yeah. There's never There's never another one that's exactly the same and I have a small slightly obsessive collection (laughs) and I would love to learn how to make the pottery myself one day oh okay I like that um Mm -hmm. I cannot do that because I don't have a kiln Um, my husband would not trust me with a kiln because (laughs) I my well at school we had um we had plastics class as part of our home like you woodwork class and I mm-hmm. wasn't really allowed in with book class. So they were like, oh, we'll give her plastic. She can't hurt anybody with plastic. <clears throat> and clumsy. <laughs> and managed to blow up the uh, plastics oven. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so my husband's like, you're not getting a kiln mm-hmm. because I barely trust you with the oven. <laughs> so, yeah, I'd love to do that to you. And, and actually making glasses is incredibly difficult. Mm-hmm. But see if you do it you can you can actually make some incredible things yeah um there's actually workshops here in scotland where you Mm -hmm. can actually go do that yeah Uh, blow glass and things like that but you have to have really good lungs to do it yeah (laughs) because it's a bit like playing the bagpipes Mm -hmm. gotta have a decent set of lungs on (laughs) i grew up with the fiddle okay and the violin i have no musical talent whatsoever (laughs) I can dance, but that's about it. Mm-hmm. And we had a family fiddle and, and stuff like that. And everybody in Shetland, at least every household, has a violin on the wall. And it's tradition because during the blackouts of, you know, losing, because of the hot weather and stuff, we would they would lose power and they would lose all sorts. Then the, the houses that were near each other would gather together and they would play music. Okay. And the women would cook and take care of the children, and the men would play, or the women would play. And they would sing songs, and they would tell tales, and sit around the fire together, and that, that's what they used to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's still something a lot of the traditional families do in the outer islands of Shetland. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I grew up with that. And my, grand, my grandfather had quite a few tales to tell when he had at least a couple of cup of teas in him. 
and I spent a lot of time with him, actually. We played a lot of cards. He could never mm-hmm. cheat at cards when he was playing with me, which really upset him. <laughs> <laughs> and I could cheat better than him, too, so that also didn't help. <laughs> so are you a crafty person? Um, and if so, do you find it helps to clear kind of like your creative pipes? I know I sound like a plumber right now. <laughs> but does it kind of like clear the pipes and, and help you with your creative process? Um, I can be crafty. I've been known to dabble in little crafty things here and there. Um, especially after I became a mom and I would do little crafts with my kids. Um, I think that's part of the job description. Yeah, I think so too. Um, but yeah, I do enjoy it, but it's also, it is, it can be a lot more time consuming to complete a project than you think going into it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, The last thing I think I made that was crafty was, you know, those little Nordic-looking Christmas gnomes with the the fur, the beards, and everything. So I did get um, some stuff to make a bunch of those, and I enjoyed it, you know. Um, But I think crafting, for me, it's not something I could do all the time. I really have to be in the mood for it. Um, Yeah. But yeah, I mean, sometimes I'll see, you know, a video will pop up on my feed or something or somebody's making something and I'll think, oh, that's so cute. I want to go and try that. So, so I do. Um, But again, it's not something that I do all the time. For me, my creativity really comes out in the writing and that's what I enjoy doing most. Yeah, I I mean, I I will go and I will cross-stitch to get my brain to shut off because Mm -hmm. that's like my thing of I can't get my brain to stop when it starts. Yeah. And I, yeah, I just start losing my mind with it. And so I had to find a way, especially in COVID times, where I couldn't just like say to be, let's go out in the car. Um, So I had to learn to find things to do to kind of keep my mind sane. Mm-hmm. One of the things I started doing was I would cross stitch, which I've been doing because I'm in the processes of doing a quilt, which okay, doing, yeah, uh, nice for my mother-in-law because I try and make special things for the family at Christmas time, mm-hmm. um, birthdays and stuff, and then I also diamond, um, oh, I do diamond yeah. painting, yeah, which. It's so much more relaxing than you'd think. Yeah, I've done it a couple times with my two older girls. They enjoy it. And I, yeah, yeah. it is kind of, it's kind of mindless. You don't have to really think. You can just exactly. sit there for hours and do it. <laughs> and also you can do it and you can listen to a podcast. Mm-hmm. Or you can listen to the, don't do it and listen to the news. Trust me, it's not. <laughs> but, you, you know what I mean? Like, uh, you can just lose yourself in it. and. Mm-hmm that's what I need to do sometimes to kind of get over the hump of certain things yeah. um, in my mind. So yeah, I, I try and use it to clear the, the cobwebs a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Cause I, I can be very hard on myself. I think, yeah. I think we all can be. <laughs> yeah, so, I think so. You know, it's good. It's good to have that kind of outlet of oh, freedom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I myself have a long-term illness that makes me slow down and appreciate the day. What would you say makes you slow down and smell the roses? Because we can all get caught up in the the need to do everything immediately. Um, honestly, being up north in the place that I was talking about before, that really makes me slow down and, 
and like you said, stop and smell the roses. It makes me, I guess, kind of come back down to earth in in a sense. You know, um, you can get lost in all of the things that you're doing, and it can get overwhelming. And I think being in a place where you can feel less stressed and just focus on absolutely nothing, really, <laughs> um, and just enjoy where you are and for me, you know, being up there with the sounds of nature all around me and just nothing, nothing overwhelming, nothing stressful. Um, so being up there really makes me um, kind yeah, of just, yeah. yeah, reach a sense of calm. Um, and really, I mean, if I'm, if I'm not able to go up, up there, because I don't really go up there in the winter, just uh, I want to say unplugging, even though it's electronics, but I'm, you know, I'm walking yeah. away from the computer, walking away from the writing, walking away from everything, and I just... I'll, Spend time with the kids? Well, aside from that, yeah. I mean, we enjoy going for hikes and things like that. So that that is something that um, is walking away from, from like, the professional aspect of life. Um, because there's five of them, they do often bicker, so... <laughs> I wouldn't say it's yes, exactly 100% stress-free. Um, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. But like you said, at night, either I read. Um, a lot of the times that's what I'm doing is reading or I'll play like a word game or something like that. But um, every once in a while, I'll binge something, a show, just to just completely forget about everything else that's going on and just get involved in a show that I enjoy. So that just kind of makes me calm down and, and de-stress. That's a really good answer, because I think as, like, I know for myself, like, I get to that point where I'm like, ah! Mm -hmm. And if I take on too much, my body's really good at just going, nope! Yeah. Yep, your your ass is gonna be in bed for two days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, 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 in a way, I'm grateful for the condition, because it does remind me to just take it easy and not yeah. push myself too hard but at the same time it's very frustrating because I have to keep changing my life to suit it which mm -hmm. I don't like mm -hmm. um so yeah it's a good good lesson or two yeah. so where's your favorite place to curl up during the day to read is it like the garden do you like to go to a cafe or a reader's nook where do you like to go to read I love my backyard I have a patio there mm. um and it's kind of surrounded by trees so it's more or less private um yeah. i like to sit there at my table and with a glass of wine or a cup of coffee if it's in the morning and read and just you know again like i like the sound of the birds and that kind of thing so um it'll be little chipmunks and squirrels running along and just yeah it's just an, an enjoyable place to be so of course i can't do that in the winter when it's snowy and cold because if it's <laughs> if it's like I think 17 degrees Celsius is my line. <laughs> I don't yeah, really no, I enjoy it when it starts to cool off. So um, curling up on the couch in front of the fireplace in the winter. I like that because for me, like, I, I can't do cold. Um, mm -hmm. It hurts so bad with the arthritis. It's Aww. awful. Which is kind of why we're wanting to move to harder climates um, at some point in my life because it will make a huge difference. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I understand that better than anybody, particularly mm -hmm. because, you know, you're just like, ah, yeah. damn it, I'm cold, don't <laughs> like this. So yeah, no, I'm, I'm totally with you, with you on that one. <laughs> now on to the word game. 
Now, the word game was inspired by a theme of words of where I imagined meeting you. Mm -hmm. And I imagined us on a cruise. Okay. And the author, there's actually, it's called the Romance Cruise. And it's when all romance authors get together. Uh And they go on a cruise. Okay. So that's where I got this idea from. So some of the words is some of the ports I imagined as walking along the streets, giggling and laughing, talking about books and looking at antiques and, you know, mm-hmm. lovely dishes and things like that. All the things that us growing up women like to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that, that's where the, the words came from. So your first word is port. And that is from port the drink, not port the place. So, and I'm answering with the first thing that comes to mind. First book that comes to mind or first word? Or TV show. We, we do TV shows too. Well, I'll do a little bit of both because the first word that, or the first thing that comes to mind is Outlander because they talk about port. Of yes. <laughs> of course, it has to be Outlander. <laughs> Your next one is Romance. Um, the first book that comes to mind is a book that actually is releasing today. It's called Not Your Basic Love Story by Lindsay Maple. I just did the promotional stuff for it. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I saw that so, she was on your podcast. Yeah, and I, it was funny, I bought it and I pre-ordered it, just like I've actually pre-ordered the Moonshine one. Oh, it's good. Not out, it's not out here until the 15th of September, mm-hmm. so I don't know if it's like country or whatever. Um, so I actually pre-ordered that today. But yeah, like I had it pre-ordered and I'm like, girl, I will, I will shoot it everywhere. I will (laughs) promote it for you. Not a problem. And her book arrived today. So I have another round of promotional stuff that I'm going to do with it tomorrow. Give it a nice fancy teacup and stuff and just, just give her that extra love that she's, she's earned it, you know? Yeah. Oh, for sure. So next one is Desire. Um, it's not, a harder one. It is a harder one. I think just like basically any Harlequin romance book cover <laughs> comes to mind. Like nothing in particular. I don't read a lot of books that that the main focus is desire and 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 all of that stuff. So I don't know that I can think of one right off the bat. I actually had one in my head, and it's one I recommended to you earlier. I don't know if you've written it down. It's called Into the Dark by Fiona Cummins. Yeah. Because there is this, like, thin level of desire for, like, they all desire something. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And that sort of translates through the entire book. So I think that would be the one for me that kind of sticks out. Mm Mm-hmm. Next one is flowers. Because I always imagine, like, big bunches of flowers in Europe as you're walking along yeah. the marketplaces and stuff. I have not really been to, like, Europe, Europe. I have spent a lot of time in sort of England, Scotland, and, of course, LA. So mm-hmm. I always think of, like, lots of flowers in the English markets. Well, yeah. in the European markets. Well, two things come to mind, actually. The first thing that came to mind is the cover of The Husband's Secret by, I think it's Lianne Moriarty. I think that's how you pronounce her name. Um, and now I've that you've heard of that one, yeah, she's she's a pretty, I guess, big time author. Um, 
so I do have that. I have started it. I have not finished it, but so far it's really good. Um, and the other thing, just because you were talking about walking around and seeing flowers in the markets, is I just had Notting Hill come to my head, <laughs> the movie. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Was, you're going to have to tell me the name of that title because I am like searching for it right now. I'm like, oh, I got to find it. The Husband's Secret? Aha. Yeah. Right. I have got it now. Perfect. <laughs> it is on my TVR. <laughs> That's the, that's the worst thing is like I do these and then I and then Ian's like and how many books is yeah. on your list today and I'm like I don't know what you're talking about and he's like really because I can see you've ordered 30 books mm-hmm. so yeah though I love that and I love the cover for that that is so pretty yeah that's literally the first thing that came to mind when you said flowers yeah oh you've totally got me <laughs> I, I'm such a whiz, though, on that kind of stuff. Okay, what about Bath, which is a place in England and was home for Jean Austen? Yes, I actually did just a teeny bit of research on that because um, some of my ancestors um, are from, like, the Somerset County, very, oh, that's cool. like, in that yeah. area. So, um, and we're talking, like, Victorian and before, so because my first book was, or my first finished manuscript, um, somewhat took place in the area, that's, that's the first thing I think of is my own manuscript, <laughs> but no uh, one's going to know it. <laughs> oh, then no, of course, we're going to get it published. <laughs> One day. Huge. It's going to be huge. <laughs> I think of, um, this will be an author you've never heard of before. She inspired uh, Jane Austen, and her name was Mary Bunton, and she wrote a book called Self Care. Mm-hmm. And the humor in that book, in the sarcasm in that novel, and the way that novel was written, she's dyslexic, by the way, the writer. You oh, can okay. tell when you're reading it. Mm-hmm. She was the actual main inspiration for how Jane Austen wrote her novels. Okay. But nobody knows who she is. Mm-hmm. She came from Orkney, which is a Scottish oh, island. Oh, yeah. And uh, so she was a bit of a taboo because mm-hmm. she was a female writer. Yeah. And she was also a wife of a pastor or a churchman, minister. Mm-hmm. Um, and she inspired Jane to sort of break the mold a little bit with her her direct conversation with the you know with the reader and the way mm-hmm. that she uses her sarcasm so nice you'll have to check her out she's yeah. a little bit long-winded with her descriptions but if you can get through it you you will see the thread of a really great story mm-hmm. boy she could have done with a great editor though <laughs> next word is england I think probably many others would probably say this. The first thing that comes to mind is Bridgerton. <laughs> <laughs> of course. I didn't think of that. Actually. I thought of a stitch in time, and I don't think it goes to England, but for some reason I just thought of a stitch in time mm-hmm. by Kelly Armstrong. Yeah. I don't know why. That was my. <laughs> what about New York? Um, a book that I recently read, and I interviewed the author, her name is Hannah Orenstein, and the book is called Meant to Be Mine, and it takes place in New York. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Well, yeah, so that's kind of a a romance, um, 
super cute. I really liked the book, and it was it was fun talking to Hannah as well. I love the cover with it being bright yellow and. Mm-hmm. My my allowance, my husband gives me, is totally going to be disappeared by the end of this conversation. <laughs> I'm going to be like, mm. yeah, I love that. But it's good because it's like I get to read all these awesome books of people I've never heard of before. Yeah. So I love it. I yeah. love it. For me, New York, I had this kind of, there's this uh, weird Sherlock Holmes series. And it's not Sherlock Holmes. It's his niece. And the granddaughter of um, the vampire uh, hunter. Oh. Uh, from Dracula. Oh, I've forgotten the name now. So it's written by a woman called Colleen Cleason. Mm-hmm. And she was just on, which is probably why it's still in my head. And her series is so funny, and it's it's a thriller. Mm-hmm. It is so funny, and just you just get so absorbed because it's so different. You've got these two characters who it's the Stoker and Holmes series. Okay. That's it, and it's funny to me because they just don't get along, but they have to get along. Mm-hmm. So it's like the female kind of like way they bash their heads and they've got to solve all these mysteries and then people are trying to kill them and mm-hmm. <laughs> they're trying to survive so it is really good and I did a I did a five star review on it um, nice so yeah I highly recommend hers she has just done a whole new cover they've all got new covers um, and yeah they're absolutely amazing and I was just looking on Amazon right now and you can get a hard copy for 95 cents oh wow five pence Mm -hmm. so like um yeah totally recommend nice that and it's only five books and it's it's worth it it's Mm -hmm. like cool oh to check it out yeah sometimes like you just get one and you just like you yeah you get lost in it Mm -hmm. what about Paris um the first book that comes to mind is The Ballerinas by Rachel Kapelke-Dale. So that is, um, I believe that was her debut novel. It came out this year. I think it was this year. If not, then it was like late last year. Um, And the reason I read it is because I'm in a book club um, for writers. So four times a year we meet online and we talk about, we we kind of break the book down and we look at how Mm -hmm. the author did this and that and, and all of those things. So um, yeah, that, that was a good novel. Incredible. Yeah, takes place in mostly Paris. I love the fact that the picture is ballerinas. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like ghost, ghosted. I love that. Yeah, it's very, um, it's very good. It's, uh, it's, there's sort of like a, a dual timeline aspect to it. Some, some of it takes place in Russia, and there's just... The ending is surprising. Like it's it's good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, and I the actual hard, the paperback's not released here yet. Oh, okay. So it's only the hardback that's available. That's interesting. I like to look them up because you just never you just never know. Mm-hmm. I think, and that's why I'm like I'm always like looking, just like when authors are talking to me, I'm like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like I'm like what was it like a magpie almost. 
So your last word, but certainly not least, is Berlin. Um, I would say, well, you know, there's a lot of books I see out there that are in production now that that take place in, you know, like the World War One, World War Two era, and, and lots yeah. of books like that. But there, there's a book that I bought a few years back. It's called The Things We Cannot Say by Kelly Rimmer. Mm-hmm. And I I took it with me. I was donating blood one day, and I, I bought it just before that, and I had taken it with me, and I didn't end up reading very much of it besides the first page or two because I it was over quickly, like the, the blood donation. It doesn't take me very long. Um, and I brought that it home. That is lucky you. <laughs> I, I go for normal bloods. Like, they take blood off me quite frequently. Mm-hmm. And I'm there at least an hour. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Because they struggle to get a vein, and then... Ah, uh, yeah, I have no issues thing. with my veins. My veins are popping right out on my elbows. <laughs> oh, no, I, I think because of all the years they've attacked me. Mm-hmm. And I call it vampired, right? Yeah. Because that's how it feels mm-hmm. <laughs> when you're sitting there and they're like, okay, it's only eight tubes today, Crystal, and I look at them mm-hmm. and go, it's still eight tubes! Like, yeah. You know, and they're yeah. not small tubes. I get the the big ones. Yeah, yeah. I actually, I'm donating blood on Thursday, actually. So Ooh. I try and go I as often as I can. I recommend that to everybody. If yes. You can, I can't. Mm-hmm. So if you can go donate blood, please do. Because yeah, absolutely. there's a lot of people like me out there that have very kind of difficult issues where we do have to get blood, but we can only get certain types of blood. Mm-hmm. And you never know who you can help because you never quite know what your antibodies are or or the things that that people might need and and you might have the answer to. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So, yeah, I took that book. So I can't say that I read it, but that's the first thing that it comes to mind. It looks delicious, by Mm -hmm. the way, because mine's has got, like, the two little kid shoes. Mm -hmm. I know. It looks so good. (laughs) I will get to it. It is still on my TBR. (laughs) Yes, that one is like looks like a must read. Mm-hmm. I must admit, it does. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that is our podcast over, and I know that I'm going to be repaying the favor and oh, coming over to see you on yours, Kathleen. Mm-hmm. And I am super excited. What's the date for that again, so uh, my listeners can hear? Ooh, you'll have to edit this part out because I have to look it up here. Oh, don't, don't. Don't worry about that. <laughs> it's conversation, darling. It's supposed yes. to sound like this. <laughs> um, let me see. That was my best attempt of posh English accent, <laughs> by the way. Well, I have you scheduled for, like, the middle of October. Um, but in terms go, of when you're coming out, when it'll air, let me see. Because this isn't coming out till February, so. Yeah. <laughs> um... I believe it's around the end of November. Maybe we'll have some good news by then. You'll have to edit in, like, oh, this has got a book out, you know, or yeah. something like that. But no, um, yeah, so I will definitely be signing you test soon. I may send it in chunks, but it okay. will be worth it. Nice, um, yeah. And I, you know, it's been such an honor to have you on. I love connecting with you. I think this has been an excellent couple of hours. Yeah. You know, and, and that's the great thing. It's about having fun. And I can't wait to come on yours. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. not expecting any softballs on this one. No. <laughs> um, 
because normally people get me back when they get me on theirs. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm literally looking forward to it, and it's been awesome to have you on. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I've enjoyed our conversation.